Branding BFF is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Branding BFF, a podcast for service businesses, creative professionals, consultants, and coaches. I'm your host, Lisa Spear. I'll be having behind-the-scenes conversations with entrepreneurs and brand creators, so you can gain insights and inspiration to apply to your brand and business. Please note, these are uncensored conversations with guests, so there's a chance they'll be adult language. This podcast is brought to you by Spearhead Solutions, a strategic branding business. Today's topic is linking brand strategy to business operations, and I've invited Natasha Davis of Impact Branding to join me. I picked Natasha for this conversation for several reasons. First, Natasha thinks brand strategy is as important as I do, so it makes sense I'd bring her in. Natasha also ties branding to the big picture of how a business operates and its profitability. Lastly, Natasha is smart, savvy, and really enjoyable to talk to. I've not met Natasha in person, but I've really enjoyed getting to know her through YouTube channel and Zoom. Welcome, Natasha. Thank you so much, Lisa. I am really excited to be here and I look forward to sharing a couple golden nuggets. Well, I'm sure you're going to share more than a couple. (laughs) So I'm really glad to have you here to talk about linking brand strategy to business operations, because I think that, you know, many times, uh, I like to say branding is bigger than your logo, but it also is the foundation of so much in your business. So this is like the perfect topic for us to dig into. Absolutely. So let's start with how are strategic planning and branding codependent on each other? Oh, that is a perfect question. So oftentimes, as you've mentioned, people sometimes think that branding is just a logo or it's just the website or it's just the beautiful shirt that I have on with the logo on it. So branding in itself is an all-encompassing piece of the puzzle. Branding is the visual piece, right? It's the auditory piece. It's the verbiage piece, which is the content piece. It's the branding is the big picture, the strategy, the long-term movement of a company. Strategic planning has to do with my step-by-step of where I'm going, how am I gonna get there, Who am I bringing with me? What do I need and what do I not need? And that's really important. A lot of times companies will forget to outline what they do not need and they only focus on what they do need. So when that thing that shows up that they really don't need, they really did not plan for it. There were no contingency plans around it. I totally agree. Yeah, you know, so when we talk about pulling that brand and the strategy together, When we do that, it actually simplifies the movement of the company and it increases the the rate of success and the rate of growth for a company by tying the two together. And that makes so much sense because, you know, so many times it's like, oh, squirrel, squirrel, there's something else that catches your attention. But sometimes it's not in line with your business. It's not in line with your brand. But because you see somebody else doing it, you 
think you might should be doing it. <laughs> exactly. And that's the most painful thing that a company can do to themselves is to literally dip their toe into everything. So you know what? Oftentimes we've heard this cliche before, right? That I am a jack of all trades and a master of none. Well, oh, yeah. a, a company can be the same thing. You can be a jack of all trades and a master of none. In a, when you, we put a strategy to the brand and we really start tying it together, what we call linking strategy uh, to branding and operations, you don't become the jack of all trades. You actually become a master of one. And when we become a master of one, we step into this beautiful place and this beautiful territory where you are the me only. Because too many companies, and we've all been there, we've all started in the big ocean, the big pool where we were with everybody. So you become a me also or a me too. Like, oh, I do that too. Well, when we start linking that strategy and we link branding and we start putting more attention to it, we sit in the me only aspect of this business movement. And that is a beautiful place to be because now we get to achieve what we do is what equity, brand equity. I love it. Yeah. And can you explain just a little bit about what you mean by brand equity for people who haven't heard that term? Absolutely. Brand equity is what we should all be going for. It's like when you walk into the buffet, what's the first thing you shoot for, right? Well, it might be different for everyone, but there's this one loyal spot that we always want to get to. So think of brand equity as that place of true loyalty. When a company achieves brand equity, not only have we achieved absolute awareness, we've achieved profitability, and we've achieved positioning. When we achieve loyalty in that space, there's no way you won't be profitable. There's no way you won't be, uh, people won't be aware of you. And there's no way you won't have prime positioning in the marketplace. So when we think of brand equity, I want you to associate that guys with loyalty. My, yeah. my marketplace, they're loyal to me. So if they're loyal to me and I'm their preference, then no matter what, they won't leave. So Think of for yourself, guys, what companies are you loyal to? Regardless if there's another competitor that shows up or even if they're a little bit cheaper, you're loyal to certain systems or platforms or companies or venues or even restaurants. That is equity for a business. I'm loyal to you. Well, this is really great because I think that you know, understanding that over time your brand builds value and builds loyalty is what we all should be striving for. So you mentioned strategic planning. So what are some key principles that we should be considering as businesses when we're thinking about strategic planning? Absolutely. So when we, a lot of times people are very afraid of strategic planning because they think it doesn't matter to them because they're not big yet or anything like that. So let's go ahead and demystify that, right? Let's debunk that whole scenario altogether. From the point of inception, strategy has to be in place because it will clarify what not to do, where not to go. And that's the key thing. Where do I not go? Where do I go? So a, there are five key principles to strategic planning. And this is how you make things so simple, right? Question one, you ask yourself in strategic planning, where are we now? 
Mm-hmm. Where are we right now? What are we doing right now? Where are we now? And you want to be honest and transparent with self. And I tell people, don't don't puff it up. Don't pontificate. Be totally honest and transparent. If you're only making five hundred a month, that's where you are now. If you're only making a thousand a month, that's where you are now. Some companies are like, we only make fifty thousand a month. Well, if that's not sufficient, then it's not enough, right? So it's only fifty thousand. So whatever you are doing right now and wherever you are as a company, be honest and transparent with yourself. Where are we now? The second principle you have to put down is where are we going? Where are we going? So if I know that we are now at $1,000 a month, we are now at four clients a month, we are now at one state or one continent. That's where we are now. However, we need to be going two continents, 10 clients, you know, 10,000 a month. Maybe we need five more staff or three more staff, or we, we need, we've grown out of our home office. We need a, we need a physical office. Or if we're a mobile business, do, where are we going? We have one vehicle that's fully wrapped. Now we need to have two wrapped vehicles because we're expanding our geographic territory. So where are we going? Number three, when do we need to get there? This one is really important. And you want to be transparent and and very clear with yourself, guys. Be realistic with yourself. Don't go from, okay, you know, we made we made a hundred thousand this year, and by next year, we're killing it at two million. Don't do that. right like don't don't do that to yourself it's too painful it's too it's stressful it's painful it's almost not realistic so when do we need to get there so if we have here's a here's something i always say if you can do one you can do two if you can do two, two you can do three so always take it in manageable steps manageable movements but you have to challenge yourself to get there because what you did to get where you are, you got to push yourself a little more. So when do we need to get there? Do we need to get there at the end of the year? If this is a big project or is it a smaller project and we can do it in one quarter? Here's the key thing. Don't try to make big steps in less than a quarter because half the time it takes a quarter just to, just to get things in the right direction and get moving. Yeah. Um, Number four principle is how will we get there? How will we get there? Are we going to get there by way of online marketing? Are we going to do digital marketing? Are we going to do boots on the ground like grassroots marketing? Are we going to knock doors? Are we going to put up uh, billboards? Are we going to pick up the phone? Are we going, what are we going to do? How are we going to get there? Are we going to relocate? What, how is this going to happen? We can't have a plan without a how. Because it's not enough just to jot down, okay, we're going to make 2 million, we're going to have 10 clients, and we're going to have three extra staff members. Beautiful. So now Mm -hmm. we answer the when, how, how are you going to do that? Even as something as simple as this, right? I, you know, when I'm working with my clients, I always say, okay, uh, here's my question is, oh, we need to make more money. No problem. Why? We need more customers. I got it. Why? We need more money. Why? If you don't know why you need the money, then in why you need the clients, when you get them, you don't know what to do with it. Yeah, you're not that ready. Makes sense. Right? You don't know what to do. You're not ready. So when you say the how, it starts to outline and it makes things more realistic. How do I get there? If I need to acquire five more clients, how do I do that? It makes you think. 
Yeah. Especially for a new business, right? Because you you need to have a plan, even if you're not sure if it's going to work or not, you know, that's how you learn what works and what doesn't work. (laughs) The worst plan is no plan at all. Agreed. (laughs) Right. So when, so, oh, that wasn't a good plan. No, but it was a plan because if you don't implement it, you won't know what to do or how to fix it. If we just if we just sit down and write down a bunch of things and I said, you can plan yourself into poverty if you don't implement, you got to implement. Right. All right. So then you have the principle. Number five is here's a kicker. Who do we need? Mm -hmm. Who do we need in order to get there? See, the 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 biggest, greatest, most painful Achilles heel for solopreneurs um, startups, even, you know, dualpreneurs where they're, you know, two people or they're doing two different things. They always leave out the who. Yeah. You can't grow without more people. You have to duplicate yourself, guys. You've got to duplicate the team. You got to, you got to get people to duplicate you and mobilize the process and mobilize the business. And, and turn, if you can if, a business get becomes a turnkey business when you've put processes in place, but someone has to run those processes, right? The whole let go principle as the owner, I got to let it go. Here's the thing. Most people don't want to think of the who because they never thought about the how they never thought about the what they have no idea about the when and the where. That's why yeah. most people are afraid to incorporate a who concept because they're not clear about everything else. And they generally don't want to bring people into the mess or they don't want to look silly or incompetent by showing people their weakness. You really do build on each other the way you describe them. So what's an effective approach for thinking and measuring these daily operations and why is it important? Oh, that is a beautiful question. See, that is my, that just sets me on straight fire right there. That gets me all (laughs) excited, right? So measuring the day-to-day operations comes down to this. I'm reducing waste, I'm increasing production, and I'm streamlining. I'm reducing waste. I'm increasing production and I'm streamlining. If we don't measure what we're doing, we have no idea if we have achieved a goal. And here's, here's, we go backwards. If we never had a goal or a plan, a strategic plan, we didn't even know where we were going anyway. It's the same thing as me saying, Hey, Lisa, come to my house, right? I'm Jamaican. I'm Jamaican West Indian, right? I'm a Caribbean woman. I'll say, Lisa, come to my house. I'm making jerk chicken. I'll see you in an hour. Click. And I hang up the phone. (laughs) And you're like, oh my God, I'm getting dressed for jerk chicken. I can't wait. Wait, hold on. Wait, she never, I don't have an address. She didn't, she didn't tell me how to get there. And Lisa's calling and calling, but I can't answer the phone because I'm paying Caribbean music in the background and I'm busy cooking jerk chicken, waiting for Lisa to get here. <laughs> and Lisa's sitting at home like, I have no address. She's not answering the phone. I I, I searched her up on Facebook. I, I messaged her. I sent her a link. She's not responding. Why? Because she's over there in the clouds dancing to Caribbean music making jerk chicken. Right? I can picture it. <laughs> <laughs> so... When we don't have a strategy, a goal, we don't know where we're going, so then we don't measure it. So let's bring it all together. When we look at our day-to-day operations, if we don't begin to measure what we're doing and we don't have targeted outcomes, then we will waste the entire day. So think of your day-to-day as outcomes and outputs. Outcomes and outputs. Here's what I'm putting out 
but here's what I'm making happen. I'm resulting. Okay. Here's what I'm putting out and here's what I'm going to make happen. So we, there's two things that we look at and, and someone's going to say, now she didn't went too far. She didn't went too far. I'm a small business. I don't need this. I don't want you guys to think like that. That's the furthest thing from the truth. This is critical. You have to ask yourself key performance questions, which are called KPQs, and then back them by key performance indicators, which are KPIs. If a business does not have KPQs and KPIs, they are guaranteed to have excessive waste, very low productivity, and there is absolutely limited streamlining. That means there's duplicity all over the place. Things are just all over the place. So let me kind of bring it home. So when we talk about a KPQ, the, K the KPQ is going to allow a company to be more evidence-based until you become to make decisions about what you're doing from an evidence-based angle, the business will just keep throwing things all over the place. And we don't want to do that. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Like we're throwing it up in the air and if it sticks, great. If it doesn't, it falls, we'll kick it to the curb and we'll keep going, right? No, we got to stop that, right? We can't run our business by happenstance. So when we have a KPQ, key performance question, it allows you to create and improve. KPQs allows us to create and improve. So what are some examples of KPQs? Question. Are we consistent with signing on new customers each month? That's important. And if you don't ask the question and then back it up by a KPI, a key performance indicator, which is the indicator says we will attend three quality business networking events to onboard a minimum of one quality client per month. You, Basic. So now when you go back and you say, okay, how are we doing? How are we doing? The way you answer how we're doing is if you knew what you were shooting for, right? What you're shooting for. It makes so much sense. And when I think about how it ties back to our brands, I always think about, you know, with your brand, you want to be intentional. And if you're not intentional, you don't know who you are what you're standing for, what you're really providing, and your clients won't either. And it's the same thing with your operations. Like if you don't know what you're going for and how it will support your brand and your business and you don't measure it, you won't really be able to get any meaningful traction. So I really love how you said that. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. When we, when we as a, a small business, take a minute to say, this is not a game. I tell people all the time, I've been in business going on 18 years. I'm like, this is not a hobby. This is serious. You know, what I do may not be rocket science, but it's highly important because it's saving companies, which is saving lives and saving families. So you always have to look at your business. What is your business doing? Your business is important. And if you don't spend time, even if it's once a month, not once a year or once every two years, once a month, pulling the layers back, pulling the covers back and saying, okay, what are we doing? And measuring it back and asking those hard questions so that you can create and improve. 
So say, for example, you, there's a KPQ. Say you said, you know what? You sat down with your team, guys, and you said, you know what? Here's what we need to do. And your team could be you and Jesus or you and Buddha or it could be you and your mother. I don't care <laughs> who it is. You got two on the team as a minimum. You yourself is two. You got a brain and a heart. So call yourself two, right? <laughs> so you sit down and you get transparent with yourself. You say, you know what? KPQ, how well do we meet our, our monthly and quarterly financial goals? How well do we do that? You can even flip the question and say, are we on track to increase our profit margins this year? Yeah, that's a great question. Right? You can even turn the question and get deeper. Do we meet our monthly revenue goals? Or even change the goal and say requirements, right? Because I need to, I'm required to generate revenue. Right. So do we meet our revenue requirements? Then you might say, here's what my KPI is. My KPI could easily well be we will achieve an 8% increase in the profit margin by the end of the year. And I love that because it's it's I love that being specific, like an 8%. That's not, you know, 25. It's not 50. It's not 75%. It is realistic that if you put the right things in place, whether that's people or um, structures in place, that you could grow uh, an 8%. And for some people in the beginning, we might discover, oh, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but at least you've aimed for something that's in a terrain that's workable. So I really like you just said 8% and like for some reason that number just really resonates for me. <laughs> like, I like that number. I like that number. But you know what? It's reasonable. It is a reasonable number because when we, if you come to a company who has never planned for profits, that's a whole nother show, how to build a pricing strategy and you plan for profits. There's a very strategic way to build your business that it always has profit margins. But if you don't plan for it and you don't have a pricing strategy to achieve that, then you will never have profits. You will always only generate revenue. And in business, we all know your goal in business each day is not to generate revenue. It's to generate profits because revenue, I could sell a pen. If I'm a pen seller, I can sell one pen a day and that's a revenue, but I needed to sell 50 pens a day so that I can meet my revenue requirements and achieve a profit margin. So the focus in business cannot be only about generating revenue. Because selling one item is, is generating revenue. But did I sell enough to achieve profits? So that's a mindset shift that um, small businesses or solopreneurs do need to adopt, right? Yes. I'm of the mind that I'm linking brand strategy to the branding from the get-go. But when should a company start linking more of this strategic approach you're talking about to their operations? Absolutely. And from the inception. From the inception, from the point that a company sits down and says, some, not even a company, excuse me, a, a person sits down and says, I'm going to launch this business. And the first stop has got to be what's going to be our approach? What is our plan? What's our plan of action? Okay. How are we going to get there? What are we doing? What are we selling? What are we not selling? Who are we working with? Um, who do we need? At what point? What's going to be our growth ratio? What are we doing? So once you start the plan, then immediately there should be. Um, strategy and linking it up to the operations, right? So operationally, if we needed to onboard a certain number of clients a month, well, how are you going to get there? Are we going to make 10 quality sales calls a week? Are we going to do 20 calls a week? Are we going to attend five events a month? What are we doing? 
And so it can't just be um, attend networking events, put um, um, you know, social media posts, sales calls. That is not sufficient. That's just a bunch of words on a paper. But when we put down, you know, realistically, can I do 10 calls a week? Now, whether you like doing sales calls or not is, a, is irrelevant. It's, I need to do them. So I'm going to do 10 sales calls a week, even if you broke it up into two calls a day. Even if you broke it up in two calls a day, as long as you accomplish the goal. So linking strategy to operation starts from the very beginning. Now, someone might be saying, well, uh, sister girl, I done been in business 10 years and I've never done this. So where am I? I'm lost now. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're not. You're, You're at a perfect time because now you actually have data. You have data. You have something that you can feed from. Now you have, I can really look at this and say, okay, this is working. This is not working. Uh, We need more people. We need more. You have data. You have an actual business, a landscape that you can play with. It's a canvas that you can play with. So even if you're new or if you've 10 years in the game or five years in the game, And you're like, this is foreign to me. I've never heard of such a thing. Or I thought I wasn't big enough yet. Now that you yeah, now you know that's not true. Now is the time to start. So for a specifically, I'm even thinking about new businesses here. Um, can a new business actually predict cash flow and growth? Or is that a myth for someone starting out? Oh, no, you can absolutely predict cash flow and consistent growth. You can absolutely predict it and you can achieve it as well. So let me give um, an example. Um, What we do at Impact Branding, we do what's called profit maps. Um, So let me give you an example of what a profit map would look like. When you have um, services that are being offered, you have to... You have a pipeline, right? You got to fill the pipeline, right? And some people may or may not know what that is because people throw these words around very loosely and they forget to explain what it is, right? So we have this, we have this, this funnel or we have this pool and we got to constantly get new business in. Now you're going to use either inbound marketing, right? Which is how the customer, um, helping the customer to find you, or you're going to use outbound marketing where you, the company, you go get the customer you go find the customer through targeted lead generation. So when we do inbound marketing, which helps the customer to find you versus outbound marketing, where you, the customer, go get the person, that's a part of filling your sales pipeline. Those are the two key things. How do I get people in? Inbound them or outbound them? What am I doing? So you fill that pipeline and then you say to yourself, Okay, now that I fill the pipeline, I got to qualify, you know, I can go through the whole sales process. I got to qualify them. I got my consistent lead generation. I got to either market, I got to advertise, I got to do what I need to do. But here's where the key is. When you start thinking of your um, profit map and predictability, you want to think of when you reach out to a customer, what is it that you're selling them? We have to start there. What are you selling them? Because If you sell them what they need and what they want and you're finding them where they are, then you'll be able to keep a pipeline full. And if you can keep your pipeline full and you tie it back into the strategy where you said, my business needs to generate 10,000 a month 
and my average order value is 250, you know, $250, right? The average order value is what the, the customer typically pays, the average customer pays for your level of service, right? And you say, my customers come in, I turn them around really fast. I need $10,000 a month. Um, my average order value is 250. I need 40 customers every month. I need 40 customers. Remember, go back to the strategy, the five principle I gave you. We said where, right? How am I going to get this? How's this going to happen? Where are you going to find your 40 customers? You do it through lead generation. Are you going to in do inbound? What type of inbound? What type of outbound? If you know that you're on pace and you're bringing in consistently reaching out to bring in 40 clients and you're following the plan and you're doing what needs to be done on a consistent basis, you already know long as I meet my margins, I know what dollar amount that I'm going to be bringing in. But here's the key. If you pay attention to it, you can make the appropriate adjustments should you not achieve your 40. Most companies, most solopreneurs or very new businesses don't pay attention to their numbers. They have no idea what their client sustainability mix is. They have no idea how many customers they actually need. They have no idea what their threshold is, what, what I call ceiling and floor. You got to know what your ceiling and floor is with your clients because if you don't know, if I drop below 30 clients, I, I, I'm not even in profit anymore. I'm going to be in the negative because remember, it's against the expenses you're kicking out. It makes me think about how important the knowing, like I like to say in the early stages of your brand strategy, you need to know who you're targeting. And this is a perfect example. If you know who you're targeting, it will make you, make it easier for you to outreach or, or inbound market the people that you really want. And then you can track and you can say, okay, um, if you're, like you said, your product is or service is $250, you need 40. But if you, your service is, let's say $2,500, you need four of those people. Um, so being really clear when you're developing your business and brand strategy is knowing like, are your, the people you're targeting, are you looking for volume? Or are you looking for a small amount of like high quality, high dollar type of clients? And then of course that aligns to the kind of services you're providing. So for me, I'm seeing how all of this goes hand in hand between your brand and your business strategy. Exactly. Exactly. Everything ties together. Um, and making it very simple is are the things that I enjoy, right? I enjoy making it simple because this can get really overwhelming. For sure. We've talked a little bit about operational strategy or tying strategy to operations. We've talked a little bit about, you know, business and brand strategy. Um, how do companies benefit from applying a brand first approach? A brand first approach is going to help the company to make decisions based on their mission and their vision. Oh, you're preaching my language. You see, see, I get you excited. I'm over here cooking jerk chicken and you're over here getting ready for missions and visions. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm sure you guys have learned about mission and vision here. I'm sure you've heard about it on more than one occasion. Yes. Mission and vision is a big part of the brand strategy that I do with my clients. It really helps to build the brand foundation. So tell us more. If I tie my decisions 
to my mission and vision, which is really my brand, what will happen? Amazing things will happen. So let me explain to you what our brand first principle is. Not only will applying it will benefit the whole company and your clientele, but it will also increase the profit margins for a company. And as we mentioned before, it's not about being building revenue. It's about building profits and business you have to focus on. So a brand first, basically, I want you to think through this is it helps you to define what truly makes your product or service unique and different from the other industries. We talked about being a me only. What makes you the me only? What makes you the me only? Do you Have you thought about a legacy product? Have you thought about a self-liquidating offer? Have you thought about maybe the, the process by way in which you service your client? Have you thought about maybe a technology or something that you can patent or that uh, process you can copyright? What truly defines you from the industry? The next piece of the puzzle is what's your brand promise? What, what's the brand promise that you're making to every single customer? Yes, that's so important and part of your brand foundation. Right? Every customer, whether they, whether they pay you on time, whether they pay you late, whether they pay you the discounted rate, whether they don't pay you at all, <laughs> right? Because everybody has one or two that trickles in. But you have to define, here's the promise that's being made to every customer. So think of it like this. Customer, when you hire us, we promise X. What do you promise? Because that is what the customer is buying. Yes, it doesn't matter which service they're purchasing, whether it's a really small or really big. That's the promise, no matter what. That is the promise, no matter what. As soon as you walk through the door of your company, what is that promise to the customer? That's important. Doesn't matter the size. It doesn't matter the type of service. It doesn't matter because they came to your company for X. And even though, you know, what I like to say, we walk into a supermarket and even though I know the supermarket sells meat products, they also sell vegetables. They also sell pastries. They also sell canned goods. But I go to a particular market because they promise I will always have freshness. They promise no matter what what I will always have organic. They promise I will always have the cheapest. What are the, what's your promise to every single customer as soon as they hit your door? The next thing is you use your mission and vision statement, your posture to make decisions about everything. So for example, if your mission and vision is to um, provide the best quality X to every customer, no matter what, then guess what? You can never buy cheap supplies. Right. All right. It sounds real simple, right? But sometimes you go places and they complicate this. Not complicated at all. Your mission and vision guides every decision that you make. So, for example, if your promise is that every customer will be will be treated as a VIP, they'll have the red carpet. Guess what? You can't hire someone who is not vested in the customer's best interest and who doesn't have the patience of Job. I think about that a lot when you're subcontracting out. Maybe you haven't hired somebody full time, but you're bringing in people to help or you um, align yourself with another business for a particular joint offering. If you don't align yourself with people that 
you know, are willing to uphold your brand promise, uphold your brand values, you're actually eroding your brand image. You're eroding the brand trust. And um, that's so critical. That is perfect. I love how you said that you are eroding the brand promise. I love it. That is that is critical. We as businesses have to take our brand seriously. And some, oh, you're so serious about your brand. Yes, I abs- I'm a fanatic. Because <laughs> it's everything. It's everything. It's everything. That's how people are. That's kind of like, that's how you're burnt into their minds. And if I if I remember you as someone who helped me, versus someone who hindered me, it makes a difference on how I deal with you. Yeah, that's where the branded business are so intertwined. Love it, love it. And so when we talk about brand first principle, here's the next thing. Evolving and developing your brand and advancing your brand has to be a firm fixed investment on the line item. It cannot be disposable. There has to be on your state your your financials something that says I have to improve the brand. I have to constantly be sharpening the brand, improving the brand and what that looks like. What does that mean? But there has to be a a firm fixed investment towards brand enhancement, brand improvement, brand development. There must be. You know, I do think it's important to figure out what money you have when you start. And there's no shame in the game if you had to start out with something that wasn't custom. But I do think it is so important as your brand and your business evolve that you actually have your brand reflect the quality of the output that you're providing. Like if your logo looks generic or it looks like clip art and yet you're providing a quality service, well, there's a mismatch in people's minds when they see that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that is important. You know, the way that you look, that is important. That is important. You want to be able to step into this place where you stand out in the perfect light that you're supposed to, right? The next thing you want to look at from a brand first, um, moving your brand forward is you cannot make marketing a last ditch effort because you're trying to hurry up and stimulate sales. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Marketing has to be the consistent and intentional aspect of your business. And most people will kind of commingle a bunch of things where it comes to marketing and advertising and all this stuff. Remember, if you remember absolutely nothing I said today, remember this branding comes first. You brand first because that is the strategy behind the company. It tells you where you're going, what you're doing, who you're servicing, how much you're charging, what you're not doing. Branding is the strategy behind the company. So you brand first. Once you've established your brand, then you can market. You can go and market to the masses and let them know uh, that you're here. Right. Marketing is the psychological connector for the company. That's a great way of saying it. I love that. Right. Then after you have psychologically connected your company with the marketplace, then and only then can you go off and go do advertising because advertising is called the great equalizer in the marketplace. Advertising is an equalizer in a marketplace. Advertising, paid advertising does not guarantee you a sale. So true. It, it guarantees exposure. 
That's it. Now you want to be careful because if you went off and you advertised before you branded and then you marketed, you're advertising the wrong information to the wrong mark to the wrong audience. You'll spend more, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So when you want to start bringing agility to your brand, you really want to start linking strategy. You got to brand first because that's the strategy. Marketing second because that's a psychological connector. Then you advertise because now you're, you're that's the great equalizer in the marketplace. Do not advertise before you have marketed and you cannot market until you've set your brand straight. Key things I'm hearing in addition to the starting with the brand first approach, the theme I'm hearing is really intention paired with strategy. You got to have your intention and then you tie it to your strategy. And that carries us through the brand and the business operations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Intention and consistency is key. Don't start and not finish. You got to take it all the way. You can't you can't say, well, I'm fired up on Mondays and I'm going to call on Monday. And then two months later, you don't do anything else for your business. Don't put out a post once a week and think you're doing something or two times a week and think you're doing something. Don't show up. Don't show up in someone's inbox once every two, three months asking for them to buy something from you, but they've never heard from you before. You know, you have to justify as a business, right? We have to justify our place in someone's day, in someone's inbox, and then ultimately in someone's wallet. We have to justify that and we have to earn that place. I love how you said that. That is such a great conclusion for this um, episode because you have hit not just one nugget, not just two nuggets. You've hit a ton of golden nuggets for us here today. But before we completely wrap up, um, where can people find you? Absolutely. You guys can find me on impactbrandingconsulting.org. That's impactbrandingconsulting.org. That's where you can find me. I'm on social media myself. I'm on social media. Again, I am Natasha Davis. They call me the chief visionary. If you're thinking of just kind of getting through the thick of it of how do I really link strategy to operations, you know, definitely you can reach out. Uh, We can have a power chat just to you know, kind of get through the sticks and weeds, maybe unclutter the thinking or just kind of streamline it, like bring it together. Because oftentimes this is a new concept for many or someone may have a piece of it, but not all of it. So if we need to start putting the puzzle together, we can definitely have a quick power chat and you can find a, find me again and, and work on getting that power chat on impactbrandingconsulting.org. That is so generous. Thank you so much for that offer. And we'll make sure to include all this in the show notes and also, um, also check out her YouTube channel. She's got a lot of great, really short top five tips on a lot of different topics that I think will be really useful and and super easy to fit into your day. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It has been an honor and a pleasure to uh, be here to share this time with you and also to serve your listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you. Subscribe to the Branding BFF podcast to stay connected to more behind the scenes conversations about branding and business. We also welcome your rating and review on iTunes so we know what you enjoyed and more people can find us.